Monday. I'm recording live from Austin, Texas, where I have recently moved, which is a crazy um, turn of events, but I'm not going to get too much into that because I want to talk about this episode with Danny. But before I dive into it, I do want to quickly plug Sakara because they have been an absolute lifesaver um, in this move. I obviously have been focusing mostly on finding a bed and not really going on food shopping. So Sakara has been just so great because I have all my food ready and cooked so that and prepared and it's of course delicious so I can just go ahead and not have to worry about one thing right now because you know I worry about everything so not having to worry about how to cook dinner is like a huge game game changer for me um but anyways if you want to get started with Sakara, I highly recommend it especially now we're about to head to the holidays where all the food is cooked for you and you don't have to you know, pay for it. So you might as well splurge now with some really good nutritious food that will get you fueled for all of your you know, Christmas shopping and what have you. You can go to Sakara.com and then go to purchase whatever you want and get you'll get 20% off if you use my discount code, which is huge and it really helps me. So I'd really, you know, appreciate the love if you do end up choosing Sakara to use my discount code. So again, use the code XOZOE at checkout for 20% off your entire order. I highly recommend the Metabolism Super Powder and I've been loving their probiotics. Like, sorry for the TMI. But again, use code XOZOE at checkout for 20% off. Without further ado, here is Danny. and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with singer, songwriter, YouTube phenomenon, and former contestant on The Bachelor Presents, Listen to Your Heart, Danny Padilla. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm very happy to have that added onto my, uh, my resume now. Which is the last part? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Listen to Your Heart part. <laughs> it's definitely a uh, weird kind of not like a pipe dream. It's been more of a recent thing uh, because I, I've been kind of an, an avid Bachelor fan for the last couple of years. And uh, basically, it, it was just kind of fun because my friends and I, we, we'd get together and we'd watch the shows. I think my first season was Ari's uh, Bachelor season. Uh, so I was like 2018, I think. Um, and uh, we would always get together to watch the shows and I'd always joke around about like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I was on one of these shows at one point? Um, and then I got a casting email and then I just hopped on and it was really cool and uh yeah once in a lifetime experience that's for sure yeah yeah I am definitely a bachelor fan I've been watching like since 2011 or something oh wow okay my dad got got me me into it which is pretty hilarious oh interesting yeah Yeah. usually it's not the dad usually it's the mom yep and um but he he's die hard and so we we go way back with the with the franchise but very cool anyways I'll I'll you know, get into the whole Bachelor in a little bit. But if you don't yeah, mind definitely. just starting out by introducing yourself, where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my name's Danny Padilla. Um, Zoe and I were talking about this before about uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm half Mexican and it's on my dad's side. Uh, most people wouldn't. I, I know this is a, a podcast, but uh, most people wouldn't expect that I'm half Mexican by looking at me. I usually get Italian. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was born and raised actually in LA. I'm one of those LA natives, uh, Ah. Manhattan beach, California, which is like a really nice, you know, suburb of LA. Um, and I kind of lived there my whole life and, uh, went to school up in Santa Barbara at UC Santa Barbara, which is a really, uh, awesome, great school. Yeah. Beautiful school. Um, kind of honestly like an extension of Manhattan beach, (laughs) but in college (laughs) form with a bunch of drunk college kids instead of, uh, families. Um, but yeah, I, I, Started with all that, and, and uh, at least in terms of how I got into music, I don't even, I mean, I, I took, you know, it's kind of the standard, I did piano and stuff growing up. Uh, my mom got me into piano lessons because she also taught piano back in the day. I don't know why she didn't teach me personally. I don't know if it was a conflict of interest. Probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- looking back at it, definitely a good thing. Um, because I also grew to resent <laughs> piano lessons, and I didn't want to resent my mom. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then... Um, 
Uh, I think honestly, when it came to singing, I, well, so I, I picked up guitar and drums back in like middle school. That was kind of my main thing. Drums was my main instrument in high school. And I did a lot of uh, like marching band and kind of the uh, quote unquote nerdier sort mm-hmm. of uh, everything I think I did in college or in high school was pretty nerdy because I also did drama, which could be considered kind of nerdy, uh, marching band, concert band and then choir. Um, but I feel like I was pretty late to the game in terms of realizing that I could even kind of sing. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, especially people who are on Listen to Your Heart, were very much people who had been singing their entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really know what that was like because I, I started singing when I was 17, technically, which I feel like is pretty late to the game. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I, I was going to ask like when you got into it. So was it like an extension of choir? Did someone say like, oh, you're actually good? Like how did um, that happen? Yes. Yeah, so my... Funny enough, my ex-girl or my girlfriend at the time, um, her name's Maria. She's fantastic. Uh, she actually, she was like one of the, the top dogs in the choir department <laughs> and also in the drama department. And uh, she was a really good singer, really good theater person. She, she was the one who kind of was like, hey, you know, it'd be fun as if uh, we had more classes together. Um, so, hey, you should try uh, choir and you should try drama. And I did. And I kind of, you know, she was the first person to really tell me like, hey, actually, there's some natural you have a natural gift here. I know you haven't really sung at all, but that was pretty impressive. And so I, I do have kind of a lot to thank my my high school girlfriend. Um, what's kind of cute is uh, after we broke up, my mom sent her a letter that was just like, hey, thank you for everything that you did for my son, which is really adorable. Um, and yeah, I do have a lot to thank uh for her. And it's funny though, cause now she's, she is a, a registered nurse and I am the one pursuing music. <laughs> uh, that is so. ironic. Yeah. Yeah. The roles kind of switched. Um, when you were on the show, was she like, um, you're welcome. Like <laughs> yeah. went to the television. <laughs> no, she never, I, I don't know if she, she actually takes any sort of credit for, for me being where I'm at right now. Um, uh, but she knows that she was there when it all kind of started. And, um, she did reach out. I, well, I think, I can't remember who reached out, but every once in a while we'll send each other photos or something from back in the day. So sometimes, you know, one of our prom photos will show up on our on our Facebook timeline or something. And then she'd send it to me and be like, wow, look how dumb we look. (laughs) Uh, Not actually dumb, but, you know, you always kind of look back at your former self and think, what was I doing? Yeah, like time Uh, hop. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Time hop is a horrible thing. (laughs) Well, good in a way. Very nostalgic, but... Um, yeah, so I don't really, I don't think, I mean, she, she definitely had like, Maria had a huge impact on me, but it wasn't really until college when I actually started trying to take music decently seriously. I mean, I joined two acapella groups, which also quite nerdy, uh, on the whole, but things that I really enjoyed, I was in a co-ed group and an all guys group, very different environments. Um, but that's where I kind of got to hone in on the singing. I also was in a choir as well. Um, which oh, is wow. very surprising. After one year of singing, I got into the top choir and both acapella groups um, my first year of college. Subtle flex. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, subtle flex. I mean, it was it was super cool because it meant that I didn't really have to try super hard to find my group of people in college. Yeah, because they were school. right. Yeah, definitely. I was naturally kind of given uh, three different groups because of the the things that I joined. Um, so, you know, outside of the, the people I would spend time with in the dorms my freshman year, everyone else was, were music types and it was really fun. Um, and I got a nice dosage of just extreme testosterone in the all guys group (laughs) and then like a nice (laughs) social mixture in the co-ed group. It was, it was good. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's when I kind of started taking singing seriously. I mean, the reason that I was a hot commodity in the acapella scene was because I knew how to beatbox. Which is like a very, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in acapella, they call it vocal percussion, which sounds kind of... Sounds uh, very fancy. Sn- yeah, almost like snotty kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, we're better than you. Because uh, we say it like this. Um, but yeah, the, the vocal percussionist's job is just to be the drummer of an acapella group, right? And I was pretty good at it, and I figured that out in high school. Um, and so, you know, even if I wasn't that great of a singer yet, uh, it was still such a, a desired... Uh, skill set that I, I, I got into both groups right away, which was fun. Um, and that's when I started really trying to do YouTube at that point, because this was like 2011, 2012. And uh, I had seen a lot of cool people on YouTube. And um, Justin I, Bieber. I want, yeah, Justin Bieber to name a few. Yeah, name one. Um, but uh, I, I think, yeah, I started doing covers, but the covers weren't really 
taking off because I think everyone and their mom was doing covers on YouTube at that point, you know, mm-hmm. just performing uh, songs with their guitar in their living room saying like, hi, this is me performing, yeah, I remember this. Uh, <laughs> you know, try by pink, you know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there was, it was really it was really hard to find a way to be unique on there. And um, I mean, I was also I think by the time I really figured this out, I was like 20 or 21. And uh, my friend Mason, who I uh, do a lot of my videos with, um, he was in the all guys, all guys acapella group with me. And he was also on the improv team there. And we kind of realized that he was really good at accents and impersonations. And I was mediocre at best with these accents and impersonations. And uh, we decided we'd try, you know, whether or not it was going to fail, we'd try uh, making a video in which we would perform a song uh, live on the spot, but we would hold up signs that had like impersonations on it that the other person would have to do on the spot. Um, And yeah, and that was kind of our biggest, uh, I mean, even to, to, to date, we still do these videos consistently. Um, but they're just called the impersonation cover series. And, um, the first one trended on like Reddit and Facebook and people were posting it all over the place and stuff. And it was really cool. It was really validating because we kind of expected either it was going to completely flop or it was going to do really well. And luckily it did really well. So, um, that was exciting. And that's what got me, uh, I mean, this is fast forwarding and we can always come back, but, uh, uh, on, listen to your heart they labeled me like my little job thing or you know because they always kind of poke fun at certain people um because in reality like we were all just musicians right our job is musician yeah that's um and I actually thought beforehand that they were going to just put our our genres I guess instead of our our job titles our our the genre of music that we do would never (laughs) would never yeah no uh no instead it was it was for me it was celebrity impersonator is what they said that my job was which is Super far from the truth, but it, I mean, it's, it's a component of it, but yeah, I don't, I, I, a part of your resume. Yeah, definitely. But it felt more like celebrity impersonator. I think of someone who impersonates Elvis in like a Vegas wedding uh, chapel, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or something like that. And, and I just don't think of what I do as, uh, maybe it's just also cause that's like not even the thing I'm most passionate about that I do. <laughs> But, um, you know, I guess, yeah, they did. They did. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's more interesting than like singer songwriter or YouTuber even. Um, But yeah, so (laughs) celebrity impersonator is what they went with. It's Um, funny. But yeah, I'm thinking of like, doesn't Jimmy Fallon do that now on his show? Yeah. So, yeah, funny enough, uh, Jimmy Fallon actually has a lot of similar ideas to a lot of people who have made YouTube content. Um, whether or not it's, it, it's a little bit like it could be, I don't know who's taken from who. I think everyone's just kind of inspired by everybody. Imitation is the best form of flattery. Or whatever. Yeah. Flattery. Yeah. Um, and, and with Jimmy Fallon, like we actually talked about this on, on my podcast recently is that he straight up kind of stole the impersonation cover concept of, of ours. Not that yeah. it's a, a trademarked thing, but he, he did it with like Seth MacFarlane where he was holding up the signs and Seth MacFarlane yeah, was doing the impersonations on the signs. Yeah, yeah, and they do those kinds of things, and it, it, I mean, it's totally fine. None of us, you know, we don't have any sort of control over that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how, I mean, it's clearly an interesting idea for people to do because even you know the biggest late night talk show hosts are doing it. So yeah, you should be on then <laughs> at least. Yeah, at least get it go on, <laughs> Jimmy. I know. I don't even know who to contact there. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, if you're listening, uh, pay me. I don't know, yeah. like, <laughs> and get me on there. Give yeah, me a little like late. Late, late slot or something. Yeah, yeah, late night slot. That's yeah, that's a good form of payment. Wait, so now I have to ask. Yeah, I'm gonna try to think. I'm trying to think of something on the spot, but I want to hear an impression. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll make it easier. So, who would you say you do like the best impression of? Um. Yeah. So the most iconic one that everyone. I mean, we literally do it in every video. Is Fetty Wap. Um, Fetty Wap is kind of my, my bread and butter, I guess. But I think a lot of it's just because my voice is kind of weirdly similar to his, uh, (laughs) even though you, you wouldn't expect it, but, um, uh, basically, yeah, like he, he he's, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, baby, um, (laughs) baby, won't you come my way? Um, and he kind of has this, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be pretty bad if you're just like, eh, need some work. <laughs> Cause that's like the, my most, my most famous voice is that one. Um, and I don't even ever know if like Fetty Wap has seen it. I don't know if, if he's ever cared to <laughs> want to reach out at all. Um, I have no idea whatsoever, but, uh, yeah, there's like Fetty Wap, there's, um, 
Batman recently I've gotten a lot of love for, but I think that's recently because I actually changed up my Batman impersonation and made it better. What's uh, here? Which one is it? Is it Christian Bale or... Um... Yeah, so it's Christian Bale, Batman. Um, it used to be more like, I used to just kind of talk like this, but this is just like a little too aggressive. Um, and I realized that it's more off of your voice. Instead, it's more like, he talks more like this. Yeah, that's um, really good. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, we actually, we just did a cover of WAP. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Which, I need to you know, that. <laughs> yeah, so we, 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 I think Mason, my, my co-star in all of this, was a lot more down than I was at first, but that's also because none of his family members watch our videos. <laughs> um, whereas like my mom, my grandma, my, uh, I mean, my dad, I think has stopped because he knows what I say. <laughs> um, and he just wants to see the dollar signs. That's it. Um, but my, uh, I was a little bit on, on edge about like, this song is very edgy in terms of the way they describe things, right? Um, but then, obviously, it did really well, and, it, you know, it's it's all over the place now. But, uh, yeah, I had, like, a part as Batman, and what's kind of funny is that uh, even people from Listen to Your Heart reached out to me and were like, oh, my gosh, Danny, I don't know why, but when you did that Batman impersonation on WAP, it was kind of sexy, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was kind of a weird, like, oh, good to know. Um, it's, it's like the power of the WAP. I've seen, like, way too many yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> the power of the WAP. Speaking of WAP and Fetty Wap. So, oh, there you go. A hundred percent, Jimmy. Because I'm just remembering this Ariana Grande one. That's honestly the only time I saw him do it. He did mm -hmm. Fetty Wap doing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Oh wow. Okay, so, so maybe maybe Jimmy Fallon watches. Yeah, or you. someone on his writing staff maybe has watched our content. I don't know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then wait, let's hear a beatbox because I was actually. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. Acapella was huge in my high school. I went to a boarding school, oh, and nice. my best friend was on the on the like in the acapella group um and my other friend daniel he was like the great <laughs> he's name not gonna listen to this, <laughs> but he was like mm. the token beatboxer <laughs> yeah but it's, i mean he got he was on for all four years oh nice 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 yeah um so let's see uh in terms of how to beatbox um I don't know. I haven't done it in forever. So uh, <laughs> uh, like it's literally what's funny is that beatboxing is one of those things where uh, it doesn't really translate to a lot of other <laughs> art forms other than acapella. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like it's kind of cool. To, yeah. Yeah. Rap battles. Uh, it, uh, honestly, it's a good party trick. Um, you know, if anyone at the par at a party knows how to. Uh, wow. What what are parties? I don't remember anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a really cool party trick. Uh, if anyone says they know how to freestyle then uh, usually the next thing is like, hey, does anyone know how to drop a beat? And I'm like, ah, I guess I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I'll do that for for party tricks. But it's really, it has, I've never used it in terms of my original music or my, you know, very rarely ever pops up that I even can do it. A lot of my newer fans have no idea. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's so kind of a random hidden talent now. So when did you start writing your own music? Um, I started writing my own music I guess, so I had a weird year in like 20, so 2012 technically, but like I wrote two songs and they're still up, but I don't feel like it's necessarily, I don't know if they're actually good. And I, I had like, yeah, I had like a one year period where I wanted to write my own original music. And then I kind of stopped for a bit, focused on school and YouTube and, and acapella and stuff like that. And then I went back to it uh, maybe in 2014, 2015, which is when I kind of started taking it more seriously. And I think that was because... I, I just felt so unbelievably inspired by people like Ed Sheeran and John Mayer and Sarah Bareilles and all these kind of singer songwriter folks. And it, mm -hmm. it kind of got me into wanting to, to write my own music. But, um, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't mention that along the way, what made me even more interested in writing music is that people told me I was pretty good at it. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, of course, you want to do something that you're good at. And I, I did, you know, I, I found a passion in music, but it was also cool to get like validation from other people along the way. So, yeah. But I, I wrote two songs in 2012 that are, uh, I mean, people people still say it's some of their favorites. Like, I, I'm, I'm confused, but because I was like 19 at the time, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't say my age before. Uh, I'm 27. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was yeah, 19 in 2012. Um but uh, it was it, like the songs are OK, but I think I, they don't really represent who I am now. Um, and they also have like really cheesy names like My Fondest Farewell is one of the songs. Yeah, and uh, Yourself Before the Storm. I don't even know what that means, but 
Um, yeah, they're about this girl that broke my heart at the time. At the time, but uh, yeah, uh, 20, 2016 is when I started releasing original music. That well, the new era of of Danny, <laughs> mm-hmm. the the era that I, I actually count as me. Um, and I, I don't know why I just decided because I think the hardest part as an artist. Uh, or like an aspiring artist is going from zero to one songs that you've released, like literally releasing the first song I, I find is the hardest part. Um, because I think there's so many mental roadblocks, especially in yeah. terms of uh, finding that you're at a good enough spot where you've uh, you're like, you know what? OK, I'm ready now. I can release this into the world and have people judge it. Right. Um, because that's that's like a very terrifying feeling. But uh, in 2016, I guess I just decided that it was the time I had been set up by my my YouTube managers actually to work with this producer producer. Um, and I, I kind of co-produce everything that I do. But um, he kind of made it sound really, really good. And I wouldn't have been able to get it there on my own. So it was mm-hmm. nice. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I released a song called Innocent. Um, and then shortly after there were, you know, I, I just kept putting song after song after song out and uh now I'm at where I am now, though the, the process is definitely a little bit different because now there is a record label involved, which is kind of fun. Um, you know, it's definitely not kind of the, the end all be all for someone's career in terms of, you know, if you sign a record deal, you're just now going to be successful. Yeah, um, it's still hard work. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that that's kind of a, a misconception of, of artists. Uh, you know, the, the dream is to get signed to a record label, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, unfortunately. I think a lot of it does come down to what you're able to do with those resources. And, um, you know, so that's kind of at the point where I'm at right now where it's like uh, I want to ensure that I am consistently, uh, like I'm using this more as an opportunity to put more time and effort into music because that's kind of what it is for me right now is like there's this kind of back and forth between, because YouTube is its own thing yeah and uh it's its own full-time job that i'm doing as well as uh yeah i have my own podcast i produce an improv show and then there's original music but original music is the dream and so you know getting signed to a label is a little bit more of a reason why i should spend more time working on music got it because it's like yeah so you mentioned that your first two songs were inspired by a breakup what usually like you know inspires you when you're writing music and how do you get that inspiration what do you pull from Oh, man. Uh, I mean, it, it always comes from personal experience. I don't think I've written a song that's really been a fiction piece, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, I find that it's all from things that I'm personally experiencing because that's really the only way I know how to uh, create something that is truly unique to myself is it has to be based on something that I've personally gone through. And I think as especially as an up and coming artist, it's really important that you find a unique point of view. Mm-hmm. because, you know, we all want to write about the most cliche topics like heartbreak or like being in love in general. And, um, you know, there are many different there are many different viewpoints for which you can you can like you just have to find a unique way to say, you know, I miss this girl. Like you can't just write a song where the lyrics are I miss you and I'm sad. Yeah. You know, like that's that's kind of a lame song, uh, or at least in my opinion, uh, you know, music subjective. But uh, or at least for me, that doesn't hit me right in the in the the songwriting, you know, thing. But uh, yeah, and, and so I found that there just needs to be, like it has to come from me specifically. And, and I find that my favorite lyrics and stuff are just ones that directly reflect how it actually happened in real life. And I think that as a listener, you can kind of identify with the emotion, even though, you know, a lyric might be super specific and something that you've never experienced before. But you can... You can identify with just how the person feels and even kind of live vicariously through the singer. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I mean, my the example that I use all the time is, if you know, like Closer by the Chainsmokers yeah. uh, featuring Halsey, right? It was a massive song in, I think, 2017, uh, maybe 16. Um, and the the chorus is like, so baby, pull me closer in the backseat of your rover that I know you can't afford. Bite that tattoo on your shoulder. What is it like? Pull the sheets right off the corner of the mattress that you stole from your roommate back in Boulder. We ain't ever getting older. That's so specific. Yeah. But for some reason, that song was a number one song. And I think it's because even though like people like no one can identify with the specifics of that song. Unless but people you went can to totally... Boulder and yeah. had a mattress. <laughs> yeah. And you have a friend who has a Range Rover that or like the girl that you're dating has a Range Rover that she can't afford, but her parents are paying for it or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so specific. and But I think that's not even what matters. I think it's just the feeling of it. Like you can still feel that it's, you know, it's a, 
a lost relationship that people are coming back to and revisiting and, and realize that it's not, you know, there are some, some, un, some loose ends that are still, you know, yeah. yeah. So definitely that's why I feel, s- oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you could definitely feel so much emotion in songs. Like one I always think about is like when Ed Sheeran came um, out with perfect, mm-hmm. like that song makes me cry every single time I listen to it, even though, I mean, it's Ooh. a beautiful song about like a love story. Yeah. And, but somehow like, I remember listening to that on the train ride when I was going to like my friend's funeral and just crying mm. my eyes out. And because like, I don't know, it's something so therapeutic about listening. And I also imagine, you know, being on the other end of saying the words. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's also just something so cathartic about releasing uh, music, especially about heartbreak. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a form of getting over it in a way. I found that, uh, some of my favorite songs that I've ever released were ones that kind of helped me process breakups. I wrote a song in 2017 called Too Bad. Um, and what's cool about Too Bad also is that uh, at the time, Taylor Swift uh, released like a playlist on Spotify of uh, songs that she loves. And my song Too Bad was on there. So no way. Like, oh, That's sick. so sick. Yeah, it was it was really cool because it was more than anything. It was just kind of validating for me pursuing music, right? Yeah, she's I a think, great songwriter too. Like, yeah, yeah. I have the utmost respect for Taylor Swift, and I and now it kind of feels like I, I I'm not allowed to like talk poorly about her music because <laughs> I kind of I owe her in a way. Um, but it, it was just really cool because I I think you know as a musical artist, especially it's like even though I've chosen to pursue music as a living, that doesn't mean that everyone's necessarily on board for it, right? And you kind of have to sometimes weigh the amounts of yeses and nos you get in terms of like, is this the right career for me? And uh, obviously with Taylor Swift, thinking that a song of mine is good, it was a massive, you know, thing in the yes column. Yeah, definitely is a massive yes. Um, Because it made me feel like, okay, yeah, if I've even written one thing that Taylor Swift, you know, one of the greatest songwriters of our generation thinks is good, then I'm probably in the right spot. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't like, a you know, I didn't gain like a massive following or anything. I got a few hundred thousand more streams, which is cool. But, uh, you know, it was a little bit of extra money in the pocket during a time where I was definitely needing it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't something that was was game changing, but it was more of just a massive confidence boost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but what was cool is that song, that song is about how I was two years out from my last relationship she broke up with me and it was it was tough, but uh, I was two years out from it and I was still having dreams about how uh, I was. The dreams just consisted of me desperately trying to get back together with her the entire time and then her saying no. Um, and I, 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 I remember waking up and I don't know if you ever have this, but sometimes I have dreams that are just so like <laughs> they feel so real and yeah. so debilitating oh gosh, that. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you like wake up and you're just like, oh, how do I even go about this day? Like, uh, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so but it was just it made me upset because I was like, it's been two years. Why do I still care? Um, and I think it's because I just realized that I was kind of hung up on especially the the physical component of it. And mm-hmm. um, for all intents and purposes, she was also like the most, you know, quote, I'm putting up air quotes, like the most like attractive, like conventionally attractive person I've ever dated. Right. And I got a lot of validation from my friends, you know, being like, hey, your girlfriend is super cute. And at, at the time, I'd always be like, I know. Right. Isn't it so cool? Um, but then after the breakup, it's it's the exact opposite. Right. Because now you know that everyone around her wants to be with her and it's kind of rough. And yeah. I think I I. I once I wrote Too Bad and released it, though, I felt like I could actually kind of move on. I hadn't been able to move on romantically before then. And then I put the song out and I don't know, maybe it was also the Taylor Swift thing. But uh, <laughs> who's to say that that didn't help? Um, but yeah, and, and, and so it's, it is, it's really cathartic in a certain way. And um, I mean, even from what you're talking about with Perfect, like I dream of I dream of having a song that affects people the way that Perfect affected you. Right. Or yeah. still affects you. I mean, I'm um, sure you do. I'm sure like people listen to that song and and feel that way. And it's so interesting because, I mean, I can't sing to save my life, but <laughs> this you podcast, never know. But I mean, just the act of speaking into this microphone mm-hmm. and saying things that I haven't told my parents, haven't spoken about with friends is so like it feels like you're just getting an immense weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. And and then you're releasing it into the world. Like, 
as Mike Johnson said, and I'm I'm going to use this forever. It's like the mm. the one um the eight mile moment where you're just like, okay, I've said all that I like had to say. Mm. You know, what are you going to say back? Because I like I I put out all my cards on the table, kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's something that every human should experience in some form of medium, whether it be through music or through podcasting or through any sort of uh, thing where you're just allowed to express yourself. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I was thinking about songs that make me cry because you mentioned uh, Perfect <laughs> is your, your your cry song. Um, I have a bunch. I have a whole album. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think a lot of times it's just when it hits you because you mentioned that it was it was when you're going to a funeral, right? Is that this yeah. song just hits you in the 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 wrong but also the right time right um you know and and for me i think one of the songs was uh, i don't know if you know the song jealous by labyrinth uh not the nick jonas one uh yeah <laughs> but um it's just I, I this really it, it's this really like sad song about being so uh sad about like a breakup with someone that you still want to be with that you're jealous of like the inanimate objects that come in contact with her on a daily basis because they're closer than you are to her right which is such like a I don't know, it sounds so desperate, but in like the best way possible. But I, I heard that song for the first time after that breakup that I was talking about. And it was like, wow, OK, this perfectly encapsulates what I'm experiencing. And I'm just going to cry to this for a while. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, Something about but the human it, it, psyche that like needs that. Yeah, <laughs> needs definitely. It, it like is weird that as yeah, as like a human, it is it almost feels right to listen to songs that make you sadder when you're sad. Yeah, <laughs> um, I totally yeah. agree. And I'm a yeah. fan of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Even I think it's, it's good. Like, I think, I, yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, Inside Out, right? The the Isn't that a Disney movie? Uh, Inside Out is like they kind of talk about how you kind of need to experience all of the emotions, right? In order to uh, even fully be able to embrace any of them. Yeah, um, I should probably watch that movie. I, to be honest, I have not. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. I have yeah, a mental like, health podcast. I should definitely, <laughs> definitely watch <laughs> definitely. it. Definitely. I think it was just like a really creative way for uh, to explain almost like depression to children, right? Because yeah. it's a Disney show and the main character is depressed, essentially. Um, and like sadness like runs away. Um, but uh, sorry, I, <laughs> I don't want to get into spoilers. Um, but I think that happens like pretty early on. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I think it... it I think it, you, when you are sad, I think you should just fully embrace it. And I think that's why, you know, listening to... And there's also a song that's written for every possible time in your life, almost, or every possible oh, mood that you're in, you know? So that's why I think... I mean, for me, I love the slow, sad stuff. That's my favorite. Um, anytime I consider, like, my top 10 favorite songs of all time, it's usually, like, 9 out of 10 of them are the saddest songs <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, well, those are the most beautiful and, and, like, have the most passion behind them, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. So how did you learn about The Bachelor's new series? Like, how did how did that all come to be? Did you audition? Like, Yeah, so... I I guess what I found out is that the the at least from talking to the other cast members afterward is that I think we were all kind of contacted in sort of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just trying to get the word out as much as possible. I was contacted just via email, and then I looped in my manager, and we uh, you know he hopped on a call with them first, but they you know mentioned like hey we're we're doing a a music. Uh, musician-oriented kind of spinoff of of the Bachelor franchise, and for me, I was like, "What? <laughs> exactly what I wanted?" Um, you know, because I was just kind of yeah. That anytime is so crazy. I would, yeah, anytime I would watch uh, Bachelor, or Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise, I would find that you know, I I, I could be on, I could see myself on one of those shows, but I would love for it to be a little bit more music-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, you know, if anything, just a group of musicians who are trying to date each other, right? Um, yeah. Which is kind of what Listen to Your Heart exactly. ended up being. You know, yeah. And, and so we we did the... Yeah, I, I so my manager got off the call with them, and then I hopped on a call a few days later, and then uh, they liked me. I mean, we literally just... What, the funnest part of the audition process for a reality show is just talking about yourself. <laughs> um, like, because I didn't really have to, like... One thing, obviously, it's different from that, and and most auditions is most auditions it's it's scripted and it's you know you have to come in with you know uh, and I did my fair share of acting auditions back in the day, but yeah, it was literally there wasn't really much of a, a nerve sort of component because any any portion of it was just me going in and they're just asking me questions about myself, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty easy for me, especially as someone who part of their job is to kind of do that in front of a camera consistently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't very nerve wracking. Honestly, the most nerve wracking part was having to perform because, of course, they weren't going to just let you on the show without you being able to perform music well enough. Right. So I did have to sing quite a few songs along the way. And that was probably the most nerve wracking part just because a lot of my a lot of my career right now isn't as much doing live performances like at venues and stuff, but instead YouTube videos where you can kind of heavily edit it if you need to or do another take, you know, stuff like that. But obviously this is a world where you just can't I can't just stop in front of the executives and be like, hey, uh, can I start over? You need um, a little bit of a redo. Yeah, a definitely. Um, so it was yeah, it was it was a very it was a very seamless process, to be honest. I, I really enjoyed it and there were you know multiple steps to it and then you know upon maybe like a month or two before we filmed the show is when I found out that I got on um though that they kind of leave you I I mean similar to a lot of audition processes there's there's like a long waiting period where you just kind of don't know (laughs) Um, and they can't really tell you anything until it's confirmed so yeah, and then uh, we filmed my intro package, which is the like, hey, I'm Danny, I'm 27, and I'm from Manhattan Beach, California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was really fun and honestly kind of a, because uh, they, I mean, mine didn't make it to air, but mine's like on YouTube somewhere and I've, I've seen it. And it's kind of funny to see like what parts they chose to put in because we, we spent an entire day working on that. And, um, you know, it's it's very, I don't know, there's something just so maybe it's an ego thing but it just feels kind of cool to have a crew of people just following you around oh my gosh it's like my dream <laughs> yeah yeah and and so that was like a pretty cool day i remember afterwards there was like a uh like a party in my my apartment complex my roommate was there and i had just gotten back from from filming the intro package and he was basically like dude do you not feel like you're on cloud 9 right now <laughs> um like isn't this such a cool thing for you and i was like yeah i mean it's pretty cool but um yeah, so the audition process was pretty cool. I really liked it. And then um, getting cast on the show was an awesome feeling. And from there, I, I mean, it was just, I, I hired, to be honest, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was in great physical shape, but I knew, you know, from watching a lot of the shows, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I want to I wanna look as good as possible. Um, but also because I think that's something that I've always wanted. I feel like I've been in the, a constant status, uh, a constant state of, uh, like average body, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like, and, and I, I gotta go and be, I'm trying like Colton Underwood or something. Yeah. Like. Colton Underwood. Um, I mean, any, even from my season, there were, there were, you know, like I'm assuming you watch, listen to your heart, uh, you know, like Matt Renato or, uh, Michael Todd or Gabe Baker, uh, or Trevor, you know, like there were so many people on our show that were just buff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I could have done so much more. <laughs> uh, nah. but it was, it was cool. I kind of took the opportunity to finally try and become above average fit, right? <laughs> I, I And I was a little hesitant, though, because I, I wanted to hire a personal trainer, but I didn't necessarily have the income to be able to just do it if I wasn't going to get on the show. So I kind of waited until yeah. I got the, the, the yes to finally hire my personal trainer. And then we worked for like, I think we, at that point, we only had like five weeks. So I did like five weeks of intensive training going into it. And I felt pretty good. I was like, dang, I'm definitely in the best shape of my life. And but, about to be on national television singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because my up. first, yeah, my thought is like, if this is going to be my only time ever on national television, I want to try and look as good as I can. Yeah, So, fair. Yeah, and my mom wanted to get me, my mom wanted me to get like manis and petties and, and um, you know, get my eyebrows done, which I did. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get the mani-pedi though, because I, I just didn't really feel like I had time for it at uh, by the time she told me that it would have been paid for by her <laughs> um, and I should have taken her up on it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool going into it and I, I felt like I was pretty prepared. But then again, I don't know if anything prepares you for for that because it's such a unique experience that uh, I, I hate saying it, but no one really knows what any of us kind of went through. Uh, like, I don't like to be that kind of person that's like, you just won't understand but it's true. I mean, it's like that's yeah. why so many people from the Bachelor franchise date each other is because they have like a lot to talk about that no right. one else can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's very similar to how, you know, big name musicians date other big name musicians or big name entertainers is because they also they all understand the lifestyle. And yeah, for us, I think after the show, especially, I think it was really easy for me to reach out to fellow castmates or reach out to other Bachelor Nation people because I felt like they kind of understood what I was going through and, and you know, there was kind of a, especially going from being on the show to, to being pushed back into the real world, it felt very much like there was a 
I don't know. It, I felt like I had to talk to people about my experience. And the only people I could really do that with was the other cast members <laughs> yeah. or the ones who were at least were off the show at that point, you know? So, yeah, I mean, but it was, uh, yeah, it was very unique. It was, it was one of the coolest things I think I could possibly do in my lifetime, though I obviously aim to do plenty of amazing things, but uh, Listen to Your Heart was definitely one of them. Did you go in expecting to form like a romantic relationship or did you think like, okay, that'd be cool if it did happen? I, I genuinely, I went in with two, to one of two, or I thought one of two expectations were going to happen. I thought it was either going to be, I fall madly in love and I find like my next girlfriend, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily wife, right? But I, I fall head over heels for somebody and we end up dating after the show and it's amazing. Uh, the other expectation I had was, oh, I don't find someone that I'm interested in and I'm completely romantically detached from everybody on the show, but I made a lot of new friends, right? Yeah. And I, for some reason, did not expect Heartbreak to be on the table at all. I don't know. That's just me being super naive, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it was something that like leaving the show, I felt okay. But then... Um, like so Becca and I, Becca was my, my lady on the show and we, we had paired up. Um, and it was, I I thought it was great because we had a lot of really organic interactions and for all intents and purposes, Becca was definitely the person who I felt like, uh, our relationship could translate into a real world, Mm -hmm. uh, scenario. Right. And so we actually, after we, cause, uh, fun fact, I guess, is that we were the first I think we were the first couple to ever get eliminated on the show at one time, but also we were the first people to get eliminated by someone other than another cast member. <laughs> uh, like we were eliminated by the judges and kind of Chris Harrison, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of like a fun, random <laughs> fact, but it meant that we could still pursue each other afterwards, which is kind of a weird thing for... For, for Bachelor the, Nation, yeah. Yeah, because usually if it's, especially if it's on Bachelor Bachelorette, it's like if you get eliminated, that means that your potential with that person's probably gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were we were eliminated together. And then uh, Becca actually, because I live in L.A. and this was all filmed in L.A. Uh, she, she flew back to, um, I'm trying to think of where she flew back to. I think she flew back to Washington, D.C. But then she, she and a, bu- a bunch of other cast members actually came back to LA like four or five days later to like hang out after the show. Cause we were like, this feels weird. Let's all <laughs> hang out. Um, and so we did and Becca came back and we had like four or five days apart between getting off the show and her flying back. And there were a lot of moments of, of like, Oh, I actually kind of miss being around this person. I want to, I want to spend time with this person. And, um, one thing that was kind of fun is, is then we got to kind of see each other's social medias at that point, right? And, and get to know who they were. Becca got to see my ridiculous YouTube channel and my music. And she ended up kind of falling in love with some of the songs, which I was super happy about and grateful for. And um, and then she came back and we spent about nine days together in the real world, right? She met all my friends. Um, I showed her what a potential life could look like if she did move to LA, which a lot of the cast members were planning on doing after the mm-hmm. show, as one does uh, yeah. when being on a Bachelor show. And uh, she... Well, basically, yeah, I mean, we, unfortunately, I kind of caught feelings pretty hard for real at that point. I was like, you know what, this this is awesome. All of my friends really, really like her. And she was definitely the person that my friends were most excited for that I've ever brought around, which is a really validating experience, especially just because I've, I've always wanted to find somebody that one of my biggest things is that they have to mesh with my friend group, because I feel like I've chosen such awesome people that... I don't think a, a, a girlfriend or wife of mine should have any friction with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And they loved her. She, you know, uh, and, and that kind of from there, it made it extra hard when she, even while she was still in LA with me, she told me, um, I don't necessarily see this going anywhere. Um, and it did at that point kind of feel a little bit like I was hanging out with my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> um, Cause it did, even though like we were never fully together. And at that point we'd probably only know, known each other for like a month. Yeah, but it uh, feels which is, like so much longer. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially when you're when you're on a show where the whole you know whole thing is that you have this. Like I, I felt like at the end of it, I wanted to be in a relationship and I wanted to be with somebody that I met there, and I really liked Becca. But um, yeah, I mean, she's happily in a relationship now. Um, I am not, which is totally fine. I mean, yeah, I I won't lie. I was I was sad after she left and after I kind of had to come to the realization that. I wasn't going to be with this person. 
Um, but I mean, it's kind of part of it. And I think that, you know, we all kind of signed up for this, this type of heartbreak. And there were certain cast members, especially who really experienced heartbreak they weren't expecting, yeah. um, which I think is totally, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's cause you just don't ever expect it to be you. I don't know why, but you know, I'll watch the shows and I'll be like, well, I'd never be the kind of person who would get heartbroken on the show. Pfft. You yeah, know, I'm the opposite. Like, I'm I, so pessimistic. Yeah. I'd be like, I am going to be that one crying <laughs> every uh, <laughs> well, that's single time. Yeah, I think you'd have more of a realistic uh, interpretation of your outcomes then, yeah. uh, which is definitely healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, what was kind of tough is that also, you know, uh, Becca is now dating my friend, Victoria. So they are, you know, uh, together here in L.A., which is awesome. And I'm really happy that they they found each other. I think you know, at this point, I'm definitely genuinely happy. But I think for a while it was it was tough because, um, you know, it was it was someone that I had introduced Becca to, but that she had a stronger connection with. Yeah. And, you know, even though, yeah, the, the objectively, the people who have the stronger connection should be together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but at the time, it's like, oh, I was just kind of mourning the loss of that relationship, that potential relationship with Becca. Um, and, and yeah, it, it hurt. But you know, you get over it and it's just kind of like an unfortunate, uh, like that's just what happens when uh, your friend connects with the person that you like. And, and it's, you know, there's it's no one's fault at all. But it was, uh, yeah, definitely it, it hurt at the time. But that was also back in March. So, you know, we've had six months. And, you oh, know, wow. while so did that wrap up like right after or like right before COVID? Yeah, so we were the we were we were the last show to have filmed before before COVID. We the nice. show ended filming in I think the day before Valentine's Day was the last day that the whole show ended. Um, but I I think I left like February first or second. Got it. Um, and yeah, so we had spent all of early February together. Beck and I spent Valentine's Day together, and then um, yeah, and then they started seeing each other in, in March. And I, I think that's also, yeah, that, that's when COVID hit. And then that's when kind of like it became a little bit more difficult to kind of get over it because I didn't really have. Yeah, you weren't really <laughs> like going of, out to meet people. Yeah, no, there was no there was no one to meet. I mean, the only people that I spent time with were my quarantine crew. Right. Which I live alone. So I had to latch on to other people. <laughs> but luckily, I, uh, I have Mason and his house of four people that I, I have as my quarantine crew because we obviously work together and we weren't going to stop working together. Um, so we just decided to that I'm just part of their their crew. So they're the only people that I really see during quarantine. Um, but it definitely made it very easy to kind of drown in my feelings because there's, you know, <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot to do. And every every day is kind of the same when you're mostly just in your apartment. So yeah, but, but on the flip side, yeah. were you able to kind of channel into that pain and like, especially when you're all alone and like there's plenty of time to write songs? Were you able to do that? In a way, yes. I, I so I did write a song about Becca. Um, it's not out. I think at this point, I've just kind of wanted to perfect it. Now, I think my my biggest goal was I wanted to get it out by the time the show aired. But mm -hmm. that was a little ambitious. And I think it would have meant that I, I had to uh, like I was kind of rushing the process a little bit. And I, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that with music. And um, so what I did is I kind of I even now I'm still the song's still not done, but I have it. I have it recorded. I just haven't fully mixed and mastered it. But um, it's a song called Isn't Me. Um, it's not like a, an angry song. It's just a sad song about like the loss of the potential there. And, and, you know, but, but that's also kind of part of what you sign up for by like dating songwriters, Yeah, you know, is that you're going to, you're going to end up getting at <laughs> that's least true. Yeah. Back you're going to end up getting like. at least one song written about you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have, I have a song that I wrote about that and I have a few other songs that, uh, I released my song make believe, which I'd already written before the show, but I was really, really, uh, moved to want to release it as soon as possible. So I did, uh, I think, around the time episode one came out. Uh, and what was cool about that is that I actually was able to, I sang the song on the show around some of the cast members, and Jamie in particular, as well as uh, Rudy and Trevor, all thought it was like an amazing song. <laughs> and I was really flattered and honored because I think even after hearing it only twice, Jamie had memorized all of the lyrics, which was very impressive, yeah. I might add. Um, but yeah, and, and it... It kind of led to also some of the 
Like there's certain cast members where I still talk to pretty consistently, almost on a day to day basis. Jamie's one of them, definitely. Um, but I digress. Uh, there was, I think, while it is, there is a lot of time to write music. I think music's really about the headspace that you can put yourself in. Yeah. Because um, it's it's not really something where okay, I've got nine hours today. I'm going to write a hit song. You know, it, it's it's something where I think you have to. Uh, I mean, inspiration strikes whenever, yeah. whenever it wants to. And, and there are certain times even where I've been at like parties and I mean, pre-COVID, of course, mm-hmm. uh, parties where I will, I'll have an idea or like a melody or a lyrical idea and I'll run to the bathroom, pull out my phone and go to the voice memos app and just talk it out or sing it out right into the, into the phone. Cause you just need to kind of capitalize on it whenever it happens. Cause exactly. one of the worst, slip. yeah, one of the worst feelings is trying to write songs completely demotivated like there's nothing that you want to write about like that's it's it's really hard to force yourself to write something good yeah it's like writer's um, block. yeah definitely so uh there have been a lot of times where unfortunately I think also YouTube and other things have kind of gotten in the way of me being able to devote enough time and energy into to writing music but I think also there's not anything particularly inspiring about my unfurnished apartment <laughs> where like as you can at least see on the Zoom call, I don't have any real furniture. I have another computer over there, but it's, it's all, yeah, yeah, it's bright. But um, it's, I think it's a very hard place to, especially because I, I like to have a lot of co-writing sessions and I like to write with other people. And it's really hard to do that right now. I've tried it over FaceTime, but it's definitely, uh, it's a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to really get the, you know, if they're playing guitar and singing, it's really hard to kind of hear what it's supposed to hear like and stuff like that. So uh, there have been a lot of times where I haven't really been super motivated, but um, now I'm getting really back into it, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. So, so I yeah. Hey guys, really quick, I wanted to talk about none other than BetterHelp because they have been a light, like a real lifesaver for me um, these past three months, and I I like can't vouch for them enough. I seriously wouldn't be, you know, so gung-ho about them if I wasn't using it and wasn't having a counselor of my own. Um, these times have been so stressful and I feel like even if you don't think you need therapy, you probably could benefit from it as in like you definitely could benefit from it and having this, you know, even a trial of a counselor that's dedicated just to you and is going to help you get through whatever you may be experiencing is like just unbeatable and it's so affordable, especially if you are in New York where nothing's covered by insurance. Um, I just, I highly recommend BetterHelp. So you can get started by going to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. You'll get matched with a counselor that's best fit to for whatever you may need. You can switch if it's not the right match and there's no need to go to like an awkward in-person, you know, therapist dating scene that sucks I've been there or waiting in any like I mean I don't think anything is in person anymore but like back when it is there's like the awkward waiting rooms where you like look at people and it's like a sex in the city moment and you don't fall in love with Bradley Cooper but anyway oh it's Bon Jovi in the episode sorry um but again trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe you won't regret it okay back to the episode I always wrap up with a few questions unrelated cool. just um, from a New York Times article. Ooh, okay. So the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Oof. Yeah, they're kind of deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are plenty of different things. But honestly, I mean, we've talked about it so much, but but breakups and heartbreak, I think. Uh, and. I, I'm a firm believer that you do have to experience some bad relationships before you can fully appreciate a good one. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to also, I think regardless of how you felt like your performance was in that relationship, there's always stuff to work on. And I felt like even with the stuff with Becca and, and the show, I felt like it was a kind of a reminder that even 27-year-old Danny still has a lot of things he needs to improve on, especially communication-wise. I'm really bad at confrontation. Uh, I, I'm a huge people pleaser, and I don't like when people know that I'm upset at them, or I don't like when people are, like, I might say something that makes somebody sad, right? And, and that's something that I've kind of come to realize. Like, I still, you know, through, through these uh, failures in a way of a relationship, I've still felt like, I, 
yeah, it, it helps me realize that I have a lot of work to do. And, and it'll also allow me to be really, really grateful and thankful when, when the right person comes along. Um, and I think that's the same with just life in general. I think you need to experience a lot of hardship in order to fully uh, appreciate the successes. Oh, 100%. I think if, yeah, if everything was just handed to you, then you're not going to, I think that's when people feel uh, like people who are really successful, sometimes they feel really lame about how the success doesn't make them feel good because they didn't actually have to work as hard to get there or experience a lot of hardship along the way. So I, I kind of, yeah, I've learned to embrace uh, heartbreak and difficulties and, and failures because I know that it'll just make the successes all that much better. Yeah, so, yeah. no, that's so true. Take that, New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Oh, gosh. Oh, um, oh, yeah, I, I, I recently, oh gosh, wait, I'm gonna, uh, I, I don't know if I know how to say it correctly because I don't remember the, the thing. I think it's like, uh, the, uh, I think what the, the two most important days in your life are, uh, the day you were born and the day you realized why you were born or something like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I think that, there's, there's like, I, I've, I've tried to figure out exactly what my purpose is on this planet. Uh, obviously, it's a massive question that could take your entire <laughs> lifespan. Um, but I found that that along with the, the uh, Wayne Gretzky quote of uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Uh, I, I really love that Michael one because I think it, yeah, yeah, Michael Scott, yeah. Um, and they, they definitely, I think it's, because I think that encompasses everything. I think it's just, you need to, life is short and you need to really, do everything you can to, uh, I don't know, just try everything and, and, and go after everything that you want, um, within reason, of course. Um, and yeah, that along with the other one and, and kind of realizing for me, I have, especially, you know, coming from the YouTube sphere, I've realized that one of the biggest things I want to work toward is, is, is mental health issues. And, um, because there are so many people like YouTube, it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword in a way where the the biggest audience of people who are, who are um, for lack of a better word, like obsessed with YouTubers, right, or like huge fans of YouTubers, are a lot of times the people who in real life don't uh, aren't as maybe adept socially or or don't feel like they have a lot of friends or uh, don't feel like they fit in, right, and and yeah. so they go to to influencers and YouTubers or even you know Bachelor Nation people to feel like I guess they're their friends, even though it's more of a one-sided relationship, they they become friends with this person. Um and through that I've I've kind of been able to acknowledge that there are a lot of people out there who struggle with depression and, and anxiety and and self-esteem issues. And they're not things that I feel like I can necessarily cure within people, but consistently providing people with hope and a new perspective and and um I don't know, that's something that I've I've tried to you know, even if it's just making a new person smile every single day, that's really cheesy, but it's absolutely what I, I work toward. And that's why a lot of the things that I make are very silly and <laughs> and dumb, but in like a good way. And uh, I love laughing at myself. And uh, I think everyone should do that. And so, yeah, that's kind of something that I've learned to work toward that. Plus also all the many things that I believe in, like, you know, LGBT plus uh, equality and all that kind of stuff, because I that all is very close to my heart. So that's something that I always like to fight for. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I completely agree. I mean, the reason I was so drawn to podcasts to begin with is like those times when it's kind of lonely and and Mm. you're, you know, you feel like you're part of a conversation. And and I've found just with this, like with Solace in the City, there will be times where I'll open up about something that, you know, is pretty hard for me to open up or like it's gotten easier. But because I talk about right. stuff all the time, but yeah. then I'll have people like come to me and message me on Instagram who people who I haven't spoken with in like 15 years or mm. complete strangers and just yeah. being like, thank you. And there's literally nothing more rewarding than that. Just ha- knowing that someone found solace in your words and like feels better about themselves because of like make you because you made yourself vulnerable is like yeah. the best feeling. Absolutely. I think that it's really easy to feel alone in what you're experiencing. Um, but the moment that you find out that you're not, and that there are actually people who know exactly what you're talking about and what you're experiencing. Cause I don't know if any of us have lived truly unique lives where nobody really knows how to identify with it. And, and you're, you're, I don't know if anyone's ever truly alone. I know earlier I, I talked about how like, 
I guess like reality TV stars are in like a very, you know, it's a very specific thing that all of us ex have experienced. But we all, you know, it's, it's something that we all can identify with as, as human beings still. Sorry about but, that, but yeah. I hope that oh, no, didn't okay. record on my on my thing, but my phone just rang. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's I, true. I, it's like, yeah. what, there's that saying like, suffering is like, uh, wait, sorry, I'm going to like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Package calling. <laughs> I know, one moment, thank you. <laughs> okay, I'll delete that part out, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. And okay, my final question, which is the name of the podcast, mm -hmm. is how do you find solace in the city? And it can be city is whatever you make of it. Oh, I mean, I took it literally first because I it live can in be literally. The, yeah. And yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> living in L.A., it's it's uh, I mean, a lot of people come to L.A. and they they find that it's it can be weirdly lonely, despite the fact that there are like 10 million people here. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, I've always lived here, but I don't live in the same area anymore and I, I don't live with my parents anymore and I think the biggest thing that I figured out that has really helped is just that you need to know how to spend your time and who you're who to spend your time with yeah I think it really it really comes down to uh finding like-minded people who are genuinely interested in your well-being and not anything else and and uh spending a lot of time with them in a way where you, you it's, it becomes a team effort. And I think I learned that from, especially college, is that life's a little bit more of a team effort than, than some people expect it to be. Yeah, and I think we're pandemic. all, you know. Like, yeah. that's when you're like, oh shit, like I need my people by me. Yeah. Okay, you swore. I was like, I don't know. I should have asked beforehand. I, I, I've tried not swearing this entire time. Oh no, uh, yeah, I completely swear on this podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, fuck. <laughs> anyway um, <laughs> yeah I try I tried so hard to censor myself this whole time um I was like oh gosh I should have totally asked Zoe beforehand um yeah I I found that I mean I have some of the best friends in the world but I think what's cool also is that a lot of them aren't in the same uh career field as me and I think a lot of I think it's really um kind of brings you back down to ground not that I, I have like the biggest ego in the world but I think it's always really nice to be around a group of friends who don't treat me any differently because I have more followers than them or I was on a reality TV show or anything like that. But, but, and these are all people who knew me before all of this, but it's, it's still really cool to, uh, kind of even at times forget that, that I have fans and instead just have friends. Yeah, so, no, it's so important. And it keeps you, as yeah. you said, grounded and, mm -hmm. um, insane. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think it's also, it's also very important to voice, your struggles anytime that they're happening. I think, uh, you know, if, if your friends are around for the right reasons and they're actually true friends, then they will, they will listen to you regardless of if you're at a party and they're like, Hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm depressed as hell. <laughs> uh, you know, cause that's always kind of a tough question. Like whenever you ask like, how are you? Some people, even when they're not feeling well, still say good. Cause they're like, I don't want to be a downer right now. Yeah. Or I'll be like, um, all right, yeah. like, just all right. I'm like, oh, forget it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Usually means I'm doing pretty poorly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's good. Good is anything from like actually genuinely good to like, like five eh. out of 10. And then all right is like five to like one. And then I'm doing really poorly. It's like one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's what I've experienced. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's 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 all it's all a team effort, and I think the moment that you embrace that, uh, it can really help, especially if you are in a large city like L.A. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about solace in the city. Amazing. Well, Danny, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Zoe. This was, can... this was therapeutic. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Where can everyone follow you? Listen to your music. Um, keep up with listen to your uh, heart yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um i so youtube.com slash danny padilla if you just search danny padilla padilla is like quesadilla uh <laughs> you know p-a-d-i-l-l-l-a -L -L -A if you need the spelling but uh youtube.com slash danny padilla i am on tiktok now uh i mean cool it's i've are. been on yeah i've been on tiktok since like eight march april but um tiktok's been like a fun cool new thing for me instagram danny j padilla i've been desperately trying to get rid of that j um, but the person who has Danny Padilla just will not let it go. Will not budge. Um, so it's, it's tough, but at least I'm verified now. So, you know, it's me, but, uh, yeah, all of the social medias, if you just type in Danny Padilla, you'll either get me or you'll get the bodybuilder from the eighties. 
there's a bodybuilder there's a bodybuilder from the 80s named Danny Padilla and uh, one of my life goals is to not that this is I mean uh, one of my life goals is to become the ho- more highly searched result so that I can kind of knock him off the Danny Padilla <laughs> thing or so if anyone like googles yeah yeah or I can meet him I think he's still alive yeah um he was called like the 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 tiny giant or something but he's like <laughs> five foot two or like, I don't know, the giant killer. That's what he is. Oh, wait, like yeah, I did see that. It was yeah. five foot two and I was like, what? Like, was yeah, like, the giant killer. I think that's his nickname. Um, but yeah, he's like five foot two bodybuilder, massive. And usually I'll joke around about how that was me in my prime. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> have to no, get yeah. him on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know if he speaks English, but you uh, might, I don't know. He, I, I mean, I, I at least know he speaks Spanish, but yeah. I'll utilize so. my Spanish minor or major. obviously have not kept up yeah i should have done this whole podcast in spanish it would have helped me no i would not have known (laughs) i know me neither yeah i'm i'm like 60 percent of the way there but that's one of my life goals within the next three years or so so yeah awesome well danny thanks again and bye everyone yeah 